You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Okay, Sid Talk, last week we did forget something. I did append to the end of our show some Christmas music. Append? Oh. But we did not say. Merry Christmas! Or happy holiday, we or didn't, we didn't say any of that. Happy, merry, everything, anything, whatever you do. Hanukkah, all of those things. Have any? No. Okay, I'll be honest. It's kind of all meaningless to me in terms of what everybody else has for the meaning of their thing. For me, it's just about one time of the year, except for birthdays, when you are motivated to share with people you care about and be around them a little bit more intensely than you are every other day of the year. That's it for me. That's it. Celebrate the fact that you're alive and kind of think about the people you've lost since the last time you've thought about being alive with each other. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't. So anything that you do, even if you sat in a chair watching Netflix all night, eating a frozen pizza, ball humbing your way, ball humbugging your way through it all, then if you enjoyed whatever you watched on Netflix and your frozen pizza, there you go. So Merry Christmas to you all. And I'm- coming up. And we're recording this on Boxing Day. We'll be Happy New Year. So we don't want to miss it. We're going to get that out of the way now. Happy, yes. Happiest Happy New of Year. New Year. Because the next time we speak to you, it will be 2016. You were going to say 15? Oh, was it? All right. So it is. Let's get back to pressing uh, business. Because this podcast may run a little bit long. So you might be in for a treat this week. I'm going to stay quite quiet today because you're going to have a lot of talking to do. No, no. Not quite. Oh, yeah. You have to, you have to input as much I as I will input. Do. Oh, I will not have as much to it. No quiet. No quiet. You have to. I will have nothing extra to what I was you're going to say about that. I was told this week that people enjoy the end of year show, so we need to so input So let's get to that part then. No. All of the podcast. All right. We so, just watched Mission Impossible. It was fine. Let's go. It is Saturday, December the 26th. Before the end of the show discussion. What was that? Did we have any? We were skipping that. That was it. That. Just so we can get to the podcast so we're not going... I said it. <laughs> but we did have some discussion. It just was random. Saturday, December the 26th. <laughs> it is Boxing Day. This is after the show number 407. We're reviewing a movie this week, like we do every week. And this week's Blu-ray review is Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. It's a 2015 movie. It's released on Blu-ray on the 15th of December, so you can pick it up now. It's rated PG-13, and it's from our friends at Paramount. And Sid Talk will give you the synopsis of Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Hmm. Uh, it is... There's a heist. There's a bad guy. Okay, I can tell you, I don't like spoilery things, but we'll probably give spoilers anyway, I guess. But um, there's a bad guy who basically wants everything to just fall apart. And so his method is something that you, if you're a Mission Impossible fan, you will have heard the words, right? The... What's it called? The Syndicate. It's sort of that coming to the forefront. And then it's Tom Cruise doing some stunts and some really good fights and some Missions Impossible. I mean, come on. If you don't know what Mission Impossible is about. This is a good... I'll tell you what. Each individual story does not matter. I've got a good synopsis. Mission Impossible (laughs) 5. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So... (laughs) Spoiler alert. It's not an impossible mission. (laughs) So, um, how do you feel about the Mission Impossible franchise before we start? Like, uh, what's your... Neutral. 
I can do without it, but it's exciting. Did you did you watch the television series? I did not back in the day. Okay, so I did watch the television series, not religiously and seen every episode, but it was on a lot on British TV, so I did see a lot of it. And uh, I used to always, like, I wanted to be them. Like, I would go and, it was a long time ago, I would go and try and, like, do mm-hmm. spy stuff. And used Now, to have, for like, me, that was Charlie's Angels. And right. then I became a Charlie's Angel, where I would roll over the back of the couch, because we had the couch sitting out in the, in the middle of the room, and then like, roll down on the floor and crawl on my elbows, all by myself, of course, pretending to be all three angels. The whole three of them. <laughs> yeah. So that yes. was my Mission Impossible. Yeah, so I did watch it, you know, on TV. And then the movies, uh, the very first movie, the Brian De Palma um, directed movie, which I feel is very different from all the rest of the movies. Like that first movie, it's kind of, um, yes, it's big action kind of thing, but it's a, it's a bit more... Uh, it's storming, by the way. So if you hear thundering, that's thundering. It's a bit more, um, the very first movie, which I really love still to this day, it's a lot different than the rest of them. They kind of took a... I feel like they took a different direction after that first one. Because that first one's very suspenseful and very... Because it's Brian De Palma who's the master of that. Yeah, but what year was it as well? 1986, wasn't it? 90, I think. Was it? Yeah, but it was quite... It was a very different film, very different movie-making Hollywood time as well. And it was really... You know, it's still a cool movie to this day. I, I wasn't a big fan of the John Woo one. Never was. Like, I know John Woo was the big thing at that time. Face Off and all the movies he was doing. And then they got him in to do Mission Impossible. I think that's the weakest. It's really weak. Like, it's it's all style and no substance, that one. And then, they, then on the third one, they brought J.J. Abrams in to direct it. And I thought that one was exceptionally good. That was the one with um, Philip Seymour Hoffman as the bad guy. Really, I, I love that one. And then the last one, Ghost Protocol. I thought that one was incredible. Like that was the one where you know where he climbs up the building, climbs up the in Dubai. I thought that one was spectacular. Like it was like I was like, wow. You mean it was a spectacle? Yeah. Okay. The whole thing. Like I, I love that one. Now this one, I feel like they dialed it back a little bit again. It, like even though this does have big heisty type things, compared to the last two, I, I feel like they kind of went a bit smaller with this one. Um, it's not worse. We kind of have to because of part of what happens. Yeah. It's the same as it's Die Another thing, Day. Isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say. Bond loses all of his connections because he's been ditched and the, the worst case scenario has happened. He's been captured and now he's been disavowed and now he's on his own. That's and what's going on here. IMF is, is IMF yep. has been sort of disbanded. What does IMF sort of stand for? Impossible Mission. He said it. Fecal matter. <laughs> yes. Impossible force. mission. Force. Yes. That is correct. Not fecal matter. So yeah, the IMF is kind of disbanded in this one. So they do take it back yeah. a little bit. Like You have to go back in. to like fighting, mm-hmm. hand-to-hand combat with knives and shit a lot more. But then you have the couple of clever, I, which would require high resources, lots of money, and yet they pull it off. And it definitely has nods back to the other movies. Like... The there's an opera sequence in this movie that reminds me of the first movie Brian De Palma because there is uh, it's not it's not an opera in the first one but it's that kind of very lush kind of and they use the music to build the tension and there's, they do that in this movie 
There's a big action sequence in this movie with a car chase and a bike chase. Bike chase going back to the second one. I don't know how you can compare these to just Mission Impossible well, movies. Well, they, they said that that's what they were doing, right? They were doing the greatest hits of Mission oh, Impossible yeah, with did. this movie. So they do a car chase, they do a bike chase, they do a cool... That underwater sequence was... Yeah. Brand, I, that was spectacular to me because that's something we've not seen before. Well, they use that word so Yeah, mostly. it was like something we hadn't seen before. Um, it's not plausible, I don't think. I think it's a spectacle more than it is spectacular. But it's really cool to look at. And it it's, was, yeah. and it's a, and I was. It's one of those like you know where you you know because is that entire thing invented? The yeah. whole of that idea. I believe so. Yeah. It doesn't seem feasible in any well, way. What we're talking about is an underwater data center, essentially yeah. cooled underwater, and that it because it's underwater, that's what cools it. And so there's a massive operation to keep water flowing through and around. It's like the, a massive, like heat massive. Sink. Yeah. yeah, like with water, massive as in as big as a city block. Yeah, uh, the water intake and, and all. And it's that just stuff. a cool visual to look at, and the way it, the way they do it, is very. I was on the edge of my seat, and you know the good guys are usually going to. And I actually knew what this thing was. Yeah, the arm inside there's because arm it's the same around. as goes around inside of what we. I work in a data center, and they have huge. Um, like big, well, they're all. It's like a room, but inside is where data is on hard drives and whatnot. Some tapes, some hard drives, some all kinds of different. It's media. the read head. The arm comes around, yeah. and it's it does not care if you're in its way. I've been inside of one of the silos, one of our old ones, and you. There's two arms. They go out of the middle, you know, straight across, and if it starts. You have to be sure. There's three lock things on the door. And so this kind of, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Because that thing is in there moving around and it doesn't stop and it is hardcore. It is on a massive thing. So that was part of it. I go, oh, but the data center probably wouldn't be underwater. So I, I really like this movie. I liked the I liked the spectacle, what it is. It's very, um, I feel like it just borrows from a lot of other movies. Um, I always felt that Mission Impossible has done that. And I feel like this one's a bit more, you know, it's just nothing in the plot or the execution of the plot for me was surprising. And there was supposed to be moments where you go, oh, but I'd already figured them out before they happened. Uh, and I wasn't trying to. So I think it was like, you know, it felt formulaic or all copied from something else to me. I don't know what exactly, but there was a lot. Of, it might have even been copying from itself because... In the other movies, they have reveal moments where it's that mask. He pulls the mask off and it's actually him. You know, that kind of thing. So it might have even been borrowing from itself. And I feel like, oh, I've seen that before. So I kind of expected it to happen. Definitely that so, kind of thing. So there's a bunch of that happening in this movie. But it didn't spoil my enjoyment of it. Because I like everybody who's in it. I think they underutilized a bunch of people in this one. But I see the point because it was really more of a... Tom Cruise is kind of on his own, is is the rogue nation. So I get that. Yeah, I feel like there's lots of people in it. I do, but I feel like some, you know, the team itself was fairly underutilized, but obviously for a reason. Yeah, because if you muddy it up too much, I don't like cutting away to like seven different people and all their... Which is what they do generally. What like. little tiny input they have to do, whereas you've got two people over here having to do the same thing. And on this one, you're you're very pointed at... Each individual doing their part, which I, I actually like that. Streamline um, it a little bit. Again, in the movie, Tom Cruise does his own stunts. It shows on the screen. I really appreciate that he does his own stunts in any of his movies. 
Because it shows on the screen. We've watched enough Bond films where we know that that isn't Bond anymore. <laughs> we call it Bond friend. Yeah. And no matter what movie we watch now, if we see the stunt person yeah. who's pretending to be the real person, we call him Bond friend because it takes you out for a split second. If it's not, some are done beautifully and you'd never know that the star wasn't the person. So we have to give credit to those because we don't know which ones they are because they're seamless. But there are ones that are glaring. There are ones where it's a woman who's your actress, your yep. main performer, but it's a man doing the stunt mm-hmm. dressed up like a man. With you a just, wig on, yeah. Even in the middle of a good action sequence, you like blur your eyes because you're like, oh God, that's not them. Now, is that just from watching too many movies and you're kind of jaded? And you're waiting for the stunt kind of thing? Or is it just because they don't do a good job of it? And nowadays movies use CGI face replacement. Like, does he ever have a stunt double? He does, because um, I was reading something about him the other day that they do use CGI face replacement in some of his movies for him. But um, it's not usually something dangerous. It's usually something where they were using a stunt person. And he couldn't be there or something. Oh, unfortunately, he, the stunt person did get in the shot. Like, like it was a shot where he, where they didn't use him. Like mm-hmm. he might ride that bike around. You know, when he was doing the bike bit in this, he might ride. Well, he probably does. Ride, he rides a bike, so he'll ride that bike around. But there'll be a certain thing that he can't do, like because it's way too much. Like, so a stuntman might do that, and when they go and edit it, they're like, "Oh crap!" Like. That's the only shot we've got yeah. of that, and it looks bad, so they'll replace Putting it. Putting someone's face on is amazing, isn't Yeah, it? and then you don't notice, do you? So in the future, we, who knows what did who did what? We don't know. The only reason we know Tom Cruise does the stuff in these movies is he goes on the extras. He's very proud of the fact that he did it, and he shows you in detail what he did. So I appreciate that. I don't know if everybody does their own stunts in this movie. I don't think they're all as mad as um, Tom. But uh, he's one of the only people, I think, who goes out of his way to do that. And I appreciate it. Um, so let's uh, go on to the cast. I thought it was a great Mission Impossible movie. It's not my favourite. I felt it was a little bit weaker than the last one even. Because I really enjoyed that sequence out on that building. I It, it felt like you were up there with him. It seemed really dangerous. Uh, in this one, yes, there were some dangerous things. And th- this one was quite funny, I thought, as well. There was some funny... They use Simon Pegg a lot more in this one. I don't uh, like the funny parts. You don't? I nope. did like it. I hated it. In fact, I like it Simon lowered Peggle. the class. Not that it's super classy, but I wanted him to shut the F up. I was like, shut up. If you were in a car in that situation, you wouldn't be going, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Ah, ah, ah. You just wouldn't. And I understand that it's fantasy anyway, but that really cheapens it for me. It makes it almost like... Like the slapsticky guy, right? I just didn't like it at all. I don't mind him. I don't like the, that bullshit. I want him to not be like the nervousy, loud mouth guy. I want him to just stick to his techie stuff. I, I really liked it where he went. I know you do. What did, what did he say? Now was when you want me to put on my seatbelt. That was one of them. No, the bit, the bit where he's where he'd been unconscious for a little while. Right. <laughs> and he's like, "Watch out!" <laughs> I guess no, he, like he just yelled it out loud after the whole thing had happened. <laughs> I thought that was the funniest part of the whole movie. Anyway, uh, let's go on to the cast. Mr. Tom Cruise plays Ethan Hunt for the fifth time. How did you feel about Mr. Tom Cruise? He's fine. It's very new. I'm very neutral at this point. There's nothing, no stretch of this. There's no. The only time, the only way you can fully appreciate it is if understanding that two seconds before he just did a take, he was being producer and talking with the writers and talking with the stuntmen and. Switching back and forth. And yet, this is not like super intense or anything. He's got this down. He's got lots of... He has moments where he's just standing and looking very intensely. He's on the phone at one moment where he's like... 
right? That's, that's not exactly a stretch for him. He has to say a lot of technical shit. That's not a stretch. So stunts. The stunts isn't performing, though. I mean, that's a type of performance, but he's saying a lot of lines, and he's being this guy, Ethan Hunt. I think that if you mash it all together, his performance as making the whole movie is impressive, but the performance part and the acting, I'm neutral. I almost feel like he likes riding motorbikes so much... In the Mission Impossible films, he really <laughs> tries hard to have a sequence where he's on a motorbike. <laughs> and he's rode motorbikes since, if you've seen the movie Top Gun, uh, he rode a motorbike in that one very fast. Seems to really love riding motorbikes. And if he can ride motorbikes on the big screen, he will. So, um, yes, there is a motorbike <laughs> sequence in this movie. I, I really like Tom Cruise. I will say nothing bad about him. Most people, you know, I hear a lot of people say bad things about him. Forget his personal views and stuff. He's a movie star in every sense of the word for me. I love to watch him on the screen, no matter what he's doing. If it's Eyes Wide Shut or a Mission Impossible, he's fun to watch and a movie star, as I see him. Uh, Jeremy Renner plays uh, William Brandt, one of the IMF members. Um, Jeremy Renner, also in uh, also in the Bourne spin-off that we saw recently, so he's familiar with this type of espionage thing. I I almost always like him. And he's fine too. Again, I, I do. Underutilized in this Yeah, movie. he's not that... There's no stretch of anybody, really. And no. I could... Who you got next? Oh, yeah. I like her. You're um, skipping around. No, no. Jeremy oh, Renner is right. after Tom Cruise. <laughs> you are not paying attention. <laughs> so, um, third up on the lineup is uh, Simon Pegg, who plays... Reprises his role as Benji Dunn. And Benji's like the hacker kind of guy who's... Like you say, nervous and kind of funny. Mm, not kind of funny. <laughs> I, I I enjoy him a lot. I enjoy him in this movie. Um, he overthinks it. He overthinks the, well, I'm just the nerdy guy, therefore I'm going to be really nervous and keep babbling constantly every time some, we hit a bump. And that's not correct. So He's fine, but I don't like that funny shit. So we're, we're totally down the line on that, because I really like him. I think he adds a lot to it, and you uh, just... Couldn't enjoy. care less. Rebecca Ferguson plays the... Bond girl in Fantastic. this, as you would say. She's not a Bond girl. She's no, I'm saying better like, than that. If if way better than a Bond girl, like I, a million. I think percent. I think modern day Bond girls are really good, to be honest. I think she's way more. There's way more of her. She pays Isla Faust, by the way. Isla Faust. Isla. I think it was her name. Isla. They said. Isla. They, they kept calling her Isla. Did they? Isla right. Faust. Isla Faust. Um, she is. Uh, I don't know. Who she is. She's awesome. I thought she was really, really good. My favorite part of the whole movie. I thought she was intense when she needed to be, and she had subtleties when in this kind of movie you don't get a lot of that. She had, When she's talking to somebody who when she's all of a sudden something's dawning on her that she might not really know what's going on, she actually shows that in the moment instead of sort of the mechanical Ethan Hunt kind of that's one of the things, things I was just thinking about, the Impossible Mission Force. It's a bit of a sausage festival, right? They don't actually have a woman. <laughs> they did before, I think in one of them, a couple of them. Mm, yeah. They've had ones, not permanent members though. Like the permanent members are the five guys, right? So, yeah. So this woman adds, you know, she adds, she definitely adds something to this. Uh, Ving Rames plays Luther, who's also returning. Um I think he's a bit overrated, Ving Rhames, to oh be honest. Oh my god, I could totally do without Ving Rhames. As soon as he came on the screen, I was I like... I love him in Pulp Fiction, but that's about it. Everything else I I've always thought he was... exceedingly boring. If you can be more boring than boring, I couldn't care less he plays what it, he, he does try. He does almost play the same character in almost everything. It's really just kind of... I just find this character, 
unnecessary. I realize they claim and they try to make him squeeze it, like plug him in as the guy who has to do some more hacking. Yeah, he's the other but hacker. But isn't that what Simon Pegg is doing, mm. you know? Do you really need two hackers? I guess you do. In I couldn't care less about Ving. I want to see Ving Rhames do something more exciting. And I couldn't care less about Alec Baldwin as Alan Hunley. Um, he really, I don't, Alec Baldwin don't do anything for me. Me either. He does nothing for me in this movie at all. Like, I think he's, it could be anybody. It really could be anybody. And I don't think he brings much to it. Um, and then I put down finally the baddie in this movie, who I really liked actually, is Sean Harris, a British actor who plays Lane. And, uh, he really, really was kind of disturbing to me. He had some weird shit going on. The way, the way he kind of talked and the way he gets close to you when he's talking to you. There was a scene where he was talking to Rebecca Ferguson's character and uh, he was right up and touching her face. And it was just weird. Like, it was like, what the You're hell? You're like, like I, I was back. thinking, can you just like step away from him? Because he's, he, he's invading your space. Get away from him. Um, did you like him? Sean Harris was lame. He was right. There were times when it was a bit indulgent as I'm the freaky weird guy who no one can possibly ever figure out or control. And my motivation is beyond all of the motivations. I don't care about money and I don't care about power. I just want to bring everything down. Therefore, I am the guy with the turtleneck and I look no. very severe. No, you know I really I mean? appreciated that he didn't fall off something at the end. In fact, <laughs> Don't in tell him the end. I'm not telling him the end. But well, now you just did. No, I did not. The, way it, the way it ends... Um, I appreciate it a lot. It was very different from anything I've seen before. Do you agree? Yeah, totally. But uh, I don't want to talk about it because I don't think you should tell people. I'm not. T- I said I won't tell them. I'm just saying that it was. It was not Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> no. You know, nobody fell off a bridge at the end. So, um, yeah, I thought that was quite cool. Directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Now, one of the thing, one of the trademarks, as Tom Cruise has said here, is um, for these Mission Impossible movies, is he has a different director for every movie, and like quite different style directors too. Like he had Brad Bird for the last one, J.J. Abrams. He's had John Woo, and he's also had um, Brian De Palma. And this time, Christopher McQuarrie, who also directed Jack Reacher with um, Tom Cruise, which. It felt this felt a bit Jack Reacherish the way it was directed, and he also directed that movie, The Way of the Gun, which I really liked with Benicio del Toro. Remember that one? It's from the early two thousands. Don't think so. Kind of in Mexico, two dudes. It's a bit Pulp Fictiony. It was kind of in the days when everybody wanted to make a Pulp Fictiony type film. Uh, it was, it was um, Benicio del Toro and. Uh, that other guy who was kind of really handsome and was around for a while, but then he disappeared. <laughs> uh, you watched it. I think you liked it. But uh, Christopher McQuarrie, I think he did a good job of directing here. This is the kind of, like, these franchise type movies. I feel like Tom probably has more say in the directing of this movie than actually the director. Because Tom seem- Tom's in this in- on all levels, right? Money, uh, Physically, star, yeah. stunts. Looking at the everything, looking at the dailies. We we even fa- editing. We even saw him looking through the lens a few times, which is the director's job, right? So and saying, "Do you think that's funny enough?" Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So I think Tom is the man in charge of this project, really. But uh, Chris and McCoy did a good job. I mean, it didn't feel they all do feel distinctly different. I think, and uh, that's interesting. I would like to see one with um, the guy who does James Bond right now. I'd like to see him take one of these. Because I like his style too. So uh, extras on this Blu-ray. There are a few. There's Lighting the Fuse, Cruise Control, 
cruising altitude. Yes, they use a lot of Tom Cruise puns here. Um, Mission Immersible, Sand Theft Auto, the missions continue, and a commentary with Tom Cruise and the director. So what these... Actually, the um, as usual with uh, Mission Impossible films, the extras are quite good. And you do get a lot of Tom Cruise, if you love Tom Cruise, and you do get to see that Tom Cruise has an amazing work ethic. <laughs> if anything, he does that. And he is... They always make it clear, and he always makes it clear... My aim is when you go and spend money to watch a movie, you have fun. You see something cool, it's something unique, or, you know, you don't see Stuntman standing in for me. If something's being done, I'm doing it. I appreciate that, and you do get that drag from the entire, if you watch all these. It's also an interesting uh, featurette on this that tells you about, it shows you some of the comparisons between the the older films and some of the Easter eggs. You forget how long ago it was. Yeah, that they put in. And then, yeah, when you see Tom Cruise in that first movie, you're like, wow, it was a long time ago, 20 years. So, um, conclusion, what do you think first for Mission Impossible overall? It's fun, has really good fights. I was impressed with the fight sequences, and I am usually bored out of my mind for fight sequences. Twists and turns, I don't think they got that right 100% on this one. No, I think really. it was pretty predictable. But then again, I think they were tapping into the people involved, not also knowing what was going on fully. So I think that worked that way. But yeah, I mean, I don't care about the twists and turns. I almost don't either. I just kind of having fun with what what's happening at the time. Like because just... in a in a franchise, you do know how it's going to end. No spoiler, but you just know. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah, well, it's until, not spoiler until someone has told you ahead of time this is the final Mission Impossible, and then once they tell you that. You still aren't 100% sure about that, but I say um, it's a fun action thing. If you like any of the others, this is rare that I say this, but it fits. Yeah. So I think that it's a reasonable... But like you, you say it's not. it doesn't kind of like make you go... Because the airplane thing, I really think you could sit and watch that and go, that's totally made up. Like there is they, a cool airplane stunt. Yeah, but you don't know it's real. No. And we know it's real because we watch the extras. And then you go back and watch it and go, holy shit. Whereas when you're watching him on that building, it was almost undeniable that it yeah. was real, right? This looks like you could have put a big fan over here and put him on a wing and painted or put a CGI back, not CGI background, but the fill in the green screen in the background of a plane taking off. And that would have been it. That's kind of how it looks. You'll appreciate it a lot more if you watch the extras, especially the but cruise But we're telling control. you now, yeah. that part's real. He's really hanging off of a plane that took off and flew through the air and he never came inside. He hung on to the side with one times? cable. Eight times. That's the but commitment. But if you don't know that, it doesn't, it doesn't have, you're always kind of waiting for that big moment and they get that done very quickly. And then I think that unfortunately. They tried to do, like they said, they like to have a big opening like Bond does. And that was their opening for this movie. But it was brief. Yeah. Like, And it almost felt, oh yeah, that was cool watching him go up in the air. But are we not seeing the rest of that mission? I was almost like, "Can we? what, what happens now then? Right. <laughs> like, yeah, there's something that happens on the inside of the plane. But... And again, Simon Pegg starts off with the mouth, 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 Yeah, mouth. I mean, they try so and start annoying. funny, don't they? Um, yeah. So yeah, I enjoyed this movie. I enjoy the Mission Impossible uh, movies in general. Aside from the second one, don't really want to watch that one again. But, um, like I say, it didn't... The last one we watched, with the with the um, sucker gloves on the uh, side of the building, that made me... I was like, oh, shit, like, he's on the edge of my seat watching that. This one didn't quite live up to that for me, but there, were, there are some cool stunts, and uh, I did enjoy what was going on. So, um, thanks to Paramount for the Blu-ray. Uh, we enjoyed it. 
So uh, if you want to enter a contest, got a new contest coming on the 5th of January. Just keep a lookout. You can win a copy of The Green Inferno by Eli Roth. Mm. And we have spoke about The Green Inferno. And uh, I do recommend it to you uh, <laughs> people who like gore. Um, you can also win a copy of Sinister 2 coming up on ascully.com. Uh, so keep your eye out. About January the 5th, you'll be able to enter. Next week's Blu-ray review, we're starting off the... Um, First movie of 2016 with A Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. So we're going to start with a zombie movie. So we'll look at that next week. Movie recommendations for this week, based on Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, for me, I am going with the the last Mission Impossible film, Ghost Protocol. I definitely recommend you see that one. And my other one is a movie from this year called Kingsman, which is also another spy-ish type movie with a sense of humour. Uh, but actually a bit more gory than this one. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, Kingsman and Ghost Protocol I am going with. You are going with? I am going with a little off the mark here. Last recommendations of the year. And I'm going to not think about movies, but like, I've been thinking a lot about the history of entertainment. How we were watching the Royal Performance last night and you're watching ELO and the guy's like 69 years old and everybody on that stage was pretty much gray-haired, older dude, and you're watching these guys really rocking it out. Long gray hair, wrinkles all over. I mean, we're talking 60s, 70s here. And people might think, oh, that's weird. But if you think about it, just real popular culture, famous people in music, movies, and whatnot, it's only been happening for about 115 years. Now, there would have been famous people before that, but it wasn't the same, right? They, the whole world didn't necessarily know about every performer that had to travel around. There was no TV, there was no radio before that, right? So in the last 115 years or so, that's when we've had the growth of popular culture. So 50 years ago, when people like Rolling Stones and all those guys were 50 years ago getting started, we haven't had generation, we haven't gone through full generations of famous people yet, like growing up in front of our eyes and getting old and continuing to perform. I mean, I'd say like Frank Sinatra and those guys were first, Rolling but they kind Stones. of fade. I'm saying those guys are more of our thing. Yeah. But even before that would have been, I don't know that Mary Pickford, who was in some of the very, very, very first movies ever. You know, I don't know that people, they didn't watch her get old and be in movies and fade away or anything. It was like a different thing. So I was like, okay, because why not be 70 years old rocking out on the stage? Whoop. Who the hell shouldn't? Like, wouldn't that be awesome to be doing that until the day you die, basically? So then I was thinking, where did, where did our entertainment thing start on a massive scale? Radio, right? Radio first. Before that were traveling shows, plays, um, books, you know, but nothing that like radio. So what I've been listening to, of course, I love to listen to Sirius XM and classic radio. And two of my favorites, funny enough, are Gunsmoke, but the ones with William Connor, or Conrad, I mean, William Conrad, I misspelled it on there. Um, and yes, he was Jake and the Fat Man guy, but they're really, they're kind of edgy and kind of ballsy, and you know, he's, the way they open the show is, you know, the only way to solve the problems of the Wild West is with Gunsmoke, which means somebody's always gonna die, yep. there's always an ethical question, and there's always moral dilemmas, and he's right in the middle of it. And you listen to it, and then the other one was Johnny Dollar, but the one with uh, Bob Bailey, because those are my favorites, and there's hundreds of them, like lots. And they, as you're listening, 
a lot of people will never have the sensibility that goes beyond watching a video. Like, we listen to music, right? Mm -hmm. But listening to a show play out and build the picture for you with the words that they say that, you know, like, I've commented before, they'll say, like, well, I guess I'll go up those stairs over there, but it's dark, you know, and you're like, so you've just instantly got in your mind an image of somebody and they, you are, it is truly suspenseful. It's funny sometimes. It's weird with the sound effects and everything. But if you get a chance, you can go on archive.org and they actually have all the Johnny Dollars. I don't know about Gunsmoke. I didn't look for that. But Johnny Dollars like a non-owned thing, public domain. But um, you can just listen to different episodes there. Johnny Dollar has like serial episodes. So you can listen like five in a row and get one whole big story. If you don't know who Johnny Dollar is, he's an insurance investigator. Sorry. He's very... <laughs> and he's sort of like the bond of his day because he would always have a different lady. You know, some woman would always be like, hello, Johnny. And then, of course, she would always be the bad guy or she'd be hooked up with the bad guy or he'd walk into the hotel room where someone let a clue to him and there she'd be laying on the bed dead. You know? And yep. you're like, well, she was an okay dame. You know, that kind of stuff because it's like from the 40s mm-hmm. and 50s. So, Gunsmoke and Johnny Dollar radio shows. That's my final recommendation of the year. Alright, I'm going with games and A. Scully stuff. First off, I just want to mention, I didn't mention this, if you buy the uh, Impossible Mission Rogue Nation Blu-ray, you get a, um, there's a coupon on the inside, and you can get a digital copy for free of, you can choose between one of the other four Mission Impossible movies. So, you do get one of, not all of them, but you can choose your favourite one. I chose the first one. So, yeah, you can uh, get those. That's for free. Um, what I wanted to mention was there's a st- sale on Steam at the moment. If you're uh, a PC gamer, the Christmas sale is un- underway. There are lots of games on sale. Very cheap. That game you're playing, City Skylines, <laughs> is only $10 at the moment, which is good value for a game that you've probably played hundreds of hours of. Uh, I think it's about 295 to be exact. Yep. And there's lots of other games, all kinds of games on sale. So keep an eye out on that. The other thing is, uh, over Christmas, uh, on the 23rd actually, just before Christmas, we went to see a movie in the theatre. And uh, which movie was that? I think we mentioned it last week, what what it was going to be. You mean that little movie? The movie that probably most of you are going to see this, uh, according to the box office, this um, Christmas. And it's uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens. So my history with Star Wars is... It's the first film I ever saw, A New Hope, in the mm-hmm. theatre. The very first one. Um, my dad took me to the theatre that summer in 77. I watched it, and then every Saturday for the whole of my summer holidays, which in England you're off school for six weeks, every Saturday I went back and watched it again and again and again. And the, it, was the, it was the time of where they did Saturday morning... Um, kids theater so you went to the cinema and there was some cartoons and then like a cool like bunch of commercials and stuff and then the main event like which would be star wars at this time so you know obviously it made a lasting impression of me and i have what do you think as a person because not everybody's like us not everybody wants to watch the same thing over and over and over you know some people can watch a thing even as a kid and be like "Eh, whatever there are kids you know our nephew is not interested (laughs) In movies that much. And I have a guy at work who's 25 and he could care less about any of it. Like, not just Star Wars, but I mean, if you say 
any movie or any game, any television show, Game of Thrones, all the way down to like Portland. It doesn't matter the scope. He just looks at you like, I don't know, I kind of heard of that. But I'd rather just play a video game or do nothing. Watch Twitch TV. Yes, or do nothing. Like, <laughs> so what do you think it is about you as even as a kid? You think it's the escapism or like, did you get excited every single time it started up? You know, yeah, yeah. People should think about this. In 1977, when I was going to see it, <laughs> you couldn't come home and put in a Blu-ray or a disc or a VHS. None of that existed. So any movies you were subjected to were just on television. They had commercials in them. There wasn't many either. It was very rare. You wouldn't have had many commercials in your day. BBC didn't have commercials. Yeah, BBC didn't, but they also didn't show movies. So if you were to watch a movie at home, it was on Christmas Day, Boxing Day, or a bank holiday Monday where they showed a movie. One movie. It'd be Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or something like that. So I hadn't had a big experience of movies. So I got took to the cinema and Star Wars was on. So every week watching Star Wars was was mind blowing to me. I just, I, in fact, if you'd have took me back every day, I would have gone. So Star Wars is. Would you go back right now and watch The Force Awakens again? Yes. We should just go see it again. So um, I would watching um. You know, watching Star Wars all my life has been, you know, I, always it's always been there. You're sort of underselling it here because, <laughs> as the wife of a person who loves Star Wars, now I love Star Trek, but I'm not like you. I can actually I mean, take I, it or leave it, but you will tap in, I swear, every day to something Star Wars, at least since the word of a new one was coming out. So it is prevalent in your mind. I like actually, you are like a child waiting for Christmas Eve. Like every day you are. And then you find, you'll find some weird shit, like <laughs> just anything. It could be anything, any merchandise or a poster. And you're just like, oh, look at this. It's Kylo Ren and da da da. And this is the Ray thing. And this is, you know. I actually knew the names of can, all the characters before yeah, the movie started. And I can started. hear it in your voice that mm. it's really, I don't have that for anything. So I don't get it fully. I find it a bit like I can actually take or leave anything. I don't need the things that I enjoy that much. Like, just, I'm not a nester even in my mind, you know what I mean, information-wise. So it's kind of interesting to watch. So you're kind of underselling this whole, I've lived Star Wars well, all my life. All right, let me put it this way. I have a replica of Obi-Wan Kenobi's <laughs> lightsaber downstairs mounted in a special bracket on the wall. That, every time we're going to watch probably movie, tells almost, you something. I hear the sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not one of those like Walmart $10 lightsaber. It's a, it's a replica it's... solid metal lightsaber. Um, so most people, you have to pretty much be into Star Wars to have it's that. It's not a real lightsaber. There, there are no real no. ones. <laughs> unless you believe in the Force. <laughs> so we went to see uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens. We're not going to spoil anything because we know a lot of people won't have seen it yet. So I feel like in the new year, we'll talk, like in the next podcast probably, we'll uh, say spoilers so you can turn off if you've not seen it yet, and we'll talk about it in spoiler detail there. So all I want to talk about is it in general. Went to see it. I said, what did I say to you when it was over? Your exact words? Yeah. I don't, just that you'd want to watch it again? I said, no, I turned to you as it finished, as it was scrolling up. I said... J.J. Abrams did an awesome job. That was my first thing. And then I said, I cried three times you during said, that movie. You said you almost did. No, I, it was it was really... <laughs> you said almost. It, it's something to do with, like, it brought me exactly back to my childhood again. And 
And you do not cry. I can attest to this in the 16 years. And some of the moments weren't 16 sad. years. Some of the I've moments were not sad. I saw you cry one time yeah. when you were having a gallbladder attack. Yeah. And in the hospital. That was pretty Thinking bad. you're going to die. Yeah. And that wasn't even like crying, like crying. That was like that was when your body crying. just yeah. <laughs> shoves the tears <laughs> out of your face because you have no other way of expressing pain. And that is it. So this is not a person who you don't. No, and the moments that I cried, yes, there were some sad ones. But there was one. Which yeah. was not sad at all. It wasn't. It wasn't even a sad moment. It was more of a triumphant kind of thing. And now, it's hard for a movie. You know, there are movies that do affect me like that. Magnolia was one of them, but that will affect anybody, I'm sure. It's it's actually made implicitly to have an effect on you. Like <laughs> yeah. Um, but this Star Wars was as perfect as I could have imagined it. Like I thought, or oh, maybe I'll be disappointed. You know, I've got this Star Wars in my head. Like, this Star Wars is Star Wars to me, so surely anything will disappoint me now because I'm older and more cynical. This didn't disappoint me, which is, like, that's that's why it's doing so well, I guess. It's a good movie, right? Even a good movie if you're not a Star Wars fan to go and see, I think, because as a space action movie, even to take your kids to, because it isn't wildly... Yes, there is a bit of violence and stuff, but it isn't wild over the top, like gory or any of that. It's more old fashioned type of thing. I think it's a great movie as well as a good Star Wars movie or a great Star Wars movie. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. The twists and turns I did not expect. I'm glad I stayed out of the trying to figure out what was going to go on kind of thing. The new characters they introduced, I'm trying to be as vague as possible, yeah. were everything I wanted. Like, I felt. The dark side from the dark side people. I felt I'm instantly in love with our heroes, the new ones, as well as some of the old ones that return. But um, it was everything I wanted from a Star Wars movie. Um, I don't hate the prequels like a lot of people just dismiss. I think they're okay, but they're not my original trilogy. That's what I grew up with. I feel like like we have a nephew, Austin. He likes the tri- the prequels. Does he? They're the ones he came. He, he was brought. He does. Up. Yeah, he does. They're his favorites. But they're the movies he watched when he was a kid. Like he went to he see. He watched them all. I showed him all. Of them. Yeah, but no, he didn't. He didn't see the original trilogy, and he went to the cinema to see like the the new ones as they came out. So Anakin Skywalker was his hero, and that, and then he saw the whole. So. Uh, like no, I showed him all the Star Wars when he was little because he would act them out for mom, including Luke Skywalker. Now he said to me that he didn't see the original until we showed it him here. Like, a, like um. No, because he was showing mom when he was little, little, hmm. like acting it out and stuff. Well, when he was little, little, the, the new the new ones were coming out. Yep, he was being Luke Skywalker. Is what I'm saying. Hmm. I remember very distinctly. So, hmm, but he might have attached said. to them differently. Yeah, but I'm saying there's a, like a generation thing. There'll be kids growing up now with these new The Force Awakens onwards that that's their Star Wars and they, the other ones are somebody else's Star Wars but they'll still enjoy them. So I, I have that. I enjoy those prequels. They're okay. They're not my original trilogy. But this matches up to the original trilogy for me. It's as exciting, as interesting. They kind of freshen. It feels really fresh like all new planets. New God. There's new places that we see in this movie that's like, oh wow, the Star Wars universe is getting bigger. You know, like we, even though we've seen six movies, we've only seen a certain amount of planets and stuff. There's, it's a galaxy, so there's a lot of stuff to see. I feel like we're seeing more of it. What did you think of this uh, Star Wars? I movie? liked it. 
With no spoilers. I liked it. But you're not like a Star Wars. Movie. I liked it. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I'm neutral, you liked it, I'm neutral so just on average. the whole of it. Yep. I didn't say it was average. No, I'm saying what is liked it on a scale of... I don't know if I can scale them. Because I feel like it's just an ongoing story. And while it's extremely satisfying, that's the word I would use. It is minute to minute, mo- every single scene, every single line, every action. It's very satisfying and sort of thrilling. Quality-wise, I just don't think you can go wrong with J.J. Abrams anyway. I mean, that's that's not even a question, you don't think. And it's well, edited well, and it's written well, the dialogues, all those things that make it so you're not sitting there rolling your eyes or going like, ugh, or, you know, there's never a boring moment to me. I was completely satisfied. And it's fun and emotional and... Funny. I'm ready for more of the story, even though I'm sort of opposed to this franchisey thing, franchising thing. Star Wars kind of started it The original it all. franchise, almost. So, you know, I have to just think of it as a chapter in a book, and I have to just keep going and hope that each time... That's why I think with, like, um, Clone Wars and... Rebels. Yeah. Well, Rebels I liked. I'm talking about the, the prequels. Oh, okay. Those three. There wasn't a super satisfaction because I didn't understand what was going on half the time. It was very political. It was very... All the mishmash with the actual getting the Empire to rise up and all that stuff was going on. And none of that stuff really... It does have a lot of... But then again, we just rewatched these A New Hope and... Jo- we we actually Strikes watched Back, all three. And it all kind of clicked for the first time in my life. Because I haven't seen them as many times as you have. And I was like, oh, right. I mean, I honestly had never paid that close attention. So... I'm more on the trajectory now to be like, oh, yeah, let's see where else does the story go. Now, I don't want to be 80 years old and have Star Wars movies coming out, but I have a feeling that maybe that's going to go. Disney are the custodians of Star Wars There'll now. There'll be no end. And Disney will not let it lie if it's still making them money. There's no way. Like it, it, We're going to probably get one every year, I imagine. Nah, not every year forever. We've got one every year now for the next six years, so... If these all do well, they will keep doing them. There's no, there's no. I don't know about that. I think that there's no way to tell that. I can't see. You have to give things a break, otherwise people are saturated, and the whole generation that you've just tapped into it now are teenagers, twenty somethings. They stop going. They stop being interested unless you give it a hiatus for ten or twelve or fifteen years. You don't get to start again like they just done. So I think that will be the way it goes. So yeah, we'll talk spoilers about it next time, but um. Needless to say, I think it was really a fantastic movie-going experience, and you should see it. We didn't see it in 3D, but I watched an interview with J.J. Abrams, and he said, I didn't make this movie with 3D in mind. It wasn't shot in 3D. We made some 3D effects after the after the thing. He even said, if you don't, if, if 3D doesn't do anything for you, or you you know, it's not, it doesn't really add much to it. But we had to do it because of the market. That's how it works these days. Hmm. So we did see it in 2D, saw it on a big screen, it was cool. So um, moving on, this is our end of year special. So what we do here at this section is we go through our the movies we've seen this year and reviewed on this show, not the movies. Star Wars is not included in this, in this review because we saw it, but we didn't review it. So the movies we reviewed on after the show, we go through them all and we pick out our best and worst for the year. And uh, how I'm going to do it is 
we're going to count backwards up to, up to our be- up to our best movie of the year, and we're gonna we'll go one at a time. I mean, I'll I'll say mine, you'll say yours, like okay. we normally do. So for some reason, I'm gonna do the worst first. The worst. This doesn't even have a number. I did my top six, and this does not have a number. <laughs> yeah. So the worst movie of the year for me, and I actually made it two movies because I couldn't decide between them. So. Worst movie of the year for me that we have reviewed. Number one, Vacation 2015, the new version of Vacation. It's fresh in my mind, and I didn't like it that much. And the other one, Hot Pursuit, which was another comedy that was so bland, I can barely remember what happened in it. (laughs) So they're my worst for this year, Vacation and Hot Pursuit. I'll give you my worst first as well, if you want. Um, in that, uh, my bottom, bottom two are Hot Pursuit and Vacation as well. So those are very mm-hmm. bottom. My other three, because I picked five, were Focus, because I really didn't... There's one scene in that movie that redeems it. Otherwise, it's just... Kind of boring. Generic. It's like, I want to get those two hours back. Um, Focus, that was with Will Smith. And Project Almanac. Which was a time-traveling movie done from first person. Yeah. I mean... Well, you know, um, uh, what do you call it? Found footage. Yeah. Yeah. And it was fine, but I it was also... all right, that one. Yeah. yeah. And uh, The Gallows, also one of my least favorite, even though it was fine. I... These are movies that... The bottom two are Hot Pursuit and Vacation, just crap. Like, I'm also annoyed that they're so bad. And um, the other ones are just like... Ugh, you know? All right, so they're our worst for this year. Dun, dun, dun. And I did the, my top well, What do you think of The Gallows, though? I thought it was kind of generic as far as these, you know, cameras following people around kind of movies. Are. Another one that found There's footage. There's one scene in it. That it's green, also found footage. Yeah, that Ooh. green scene, that that was very, very effective. Just one scene and it lasts about 15 was seconds. Was it green or red? It was R- red. Red. Yeah. When they're using the... Yep. That scene was yeah. very effective, and that was really awesome, but the rest <laughs> of the movie I wasn't that keen yeah. on. So, uh, number six for me uh, of best movies of 2015, and I'm going with the little-known, probably, I know it did well, but it's a smaller movie, and it's called It Follows. It's a very, very interesting twist on the horror movies. I've never seen anything like this one before. It was really cool. I liked how it was done. Um, it Follows. We reviewed it. Go back and listen to the review. Your number six is? My number six. Well, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So I'm going to do ten through six. So my bottom, bottom of the best <laughs> starts at the top. So my. Your number six. I'm working my way to movies. number one. Yeah, my number six is four <laughs> movies. Southpaw, which I really liked. I thought it was really, really good. That's with. Jake Gyllenhaal Jake boxing Gyllenhaal. movie. Yeah, and I thought, I mean, I was just really in it. Like, I thought it was well made and, like, the story was good and whatever flaws it had, it sticks, stands out as my mind as while I'm watching that movie, I'm totally into it. Inside Out, which I just loved. It was really sweet. I mean, it's almost like the perfect animated grown-up kid movie to me because it was just really sweet. The Judge... That was really early With last Iron year, Man. wasn't it? Yeah, but it was really good. It mm-hmm. was really well made. It, it was really substantial. Super satisfying. That was with Iron Man, whatever his name is. Robert, Robert Downey Jr. Jr. <laughs> yeah. And Robert Duvall. Another one of those kind of family 
you know, big time guy goes back and to the small town and it's annoying and you have to deal with father-son issues. I think it was, it was an Academy Award. I don't think it won, but it was up for them last year. It, yeah, yeah, it was really good. It was like a solid, solid one. And then Big Hero 6, which... Disney. Again, it's just one of those where you're... I'm there. I'm lost in it and I laughed and I cried and it was sweet and it was different. And so those are my... Those are all my number six best. All right. So... Number five for me is Ryan Gosling's directorial debut called Lost River. I know oh, yeah. I know a lot of people did not like this movie because it is not actually uh, the kind of movie that a lot of people... It's it's kind of uh, surrealistic a little bit. It's a non-linear narrative. It's, it's just a bit of an odd movie. But it tickles me in some way of something that I love. And I don't know what it is I've said to you. I don't know what it is, but it came out of that movie. Like it came out of Drive. Drive was another Ryan Gosling. He starred in it. It wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. And it has some kind of oddness to it, which I kind of like. That's why I like David Lynch and people like that, I think. But Lost River. And it had Matt Smith. It has a fantastic performance by Matt Smith, who is doc- used to be Doctor Who. Um, the best I've seen him do, actually including Doctor Who. So, yeah, that's Lost River by Ryan Gosling. So, uh, have a look at that one. Number five. Okay, and my numbers five are two movies. <laughs> no, wait. Sid so doesn't understand the five. rules. Of... <laughs> okay, number five. I'm down to five now, right? One, two, three, four, five. Okay, I don't care about rules. Okay, my number five on its own is Nightcrawler. Another Jake Gyllenhaal. An excellent movie. Really good. Like, they also had flaws. But I remember, if I think back on the movies we've watched, it's one of those where I'm just like, I don't don't understand what's going on with this character. He's kind of weird, and you don't know what's going to happen, and it's a different story than you've ever really heard before. So Nightcrawler, to me, is is number five. Right. Number four for me is Kamiko the Treasure Hunter, and uh, another small independent movie. Um, it has ties with the movie Fargo, which I really enjoyed. And it's its story in its own as well. Based on this urban myth that went around. Mm-hmm. It's just a really interesting story. A lady from Japan goes looking for... It's fictional. Don't, fictional. It's not based on her real story. It's based so on an urban wrong. legend. Yeah, it's, it's a lady from Japan goes looking for the Fargo treasure. Let's just say that. The Fargo treasure, which was buried in the snow in the movie Fargo. So if you like Fargo... And you like independent movies. It is a small movie, but it's really interesting and also kind of odd at times. So that's Kamiko, the Treasure Hunter, number four. And my number... Am I down to number four now? Yes, I am. Yes. Uh, Is Gone Girl. Because it was weird, too. And, well, again, all these movies aren't perfect. They're not, like, earth-shattering or anything, but... And it has its own kind of weird flaws that I've probably talked about at the time. But Gone Girl is Ben Affleck and... Uh, David Fincher directed. And uh, what's her name? Really liked her. Yep. Yeah. I can see her face. <laughs> yes. Rosa. Rose. Something like that. Something like... Something yeah. in that territory. Um, it's kind of weird as well. It's got a bit of like... Uh, it's a... Here's the F word coming at you. It's like a fucked up relationship movie where the two people are so messed up and yet so dependent on one another. And then it branches out to other people who would who have the weird dependencies and hangups. And, you know, you're dipping into eyes wide shut territory, but in a more mainstream, but it's not fully mainstream. I don't know how else to describe it. It, 
it but, falls in the category of Fincher making books. Like he he made Go with the Dragon Tattoo, and then there's the, these. Is this a book? Yeah, so right. it was a real best-selling book. So right. He's been making books recently. And it's got Gone Girl. But I like how he makes them. Like, it's not your, like, you know, it's buckle down, get a glass of wine, a glass of whiskey or something, dig up all your, the weirdestness of you. <laughs> it's a good performance from Ben Affleck as well, I think. Don't watch it with children. So, so that's no- my number four. All right, number three for me is The Guest. <laughs> this was a movie we watched right at the beginning of last year. I was year. afraid you'd make that your number one. I was close. So this is a movie that came out right at the beginning of last year. It is another small independent movie. Uh, it kind of fit. You could have a double bill with It Follows, I think, because yes. it's got that kind of 80s, 80s horror movie slash vibe to it. Um, I just really fell in love with it. The music. The girl who's in it is the girl who's in It Follows. Same girl. Um, it's, I don't know. Maybe it's, it's just her. It's like. like a throwback to the 80s. The music, the kind of way the movie is, you know? It's not structured around a realistic scenario so much as the fantasy scenario of it's really, a guy who's creepiest. You don't know, heck. you kind of don't know 100% know what's going on and it goes in some interesting places. So, yeah, it, The Guest. I bet you not many people saw it and they should see it. The Guest. Yeah. And my number three is your number four, which is Kamiko Treasure Hunter. So, we've already talked about that, but I really, what I really like about movies that take you outside of your normal most you know a lot of the ones that we see on like Kingsman or whatever like that you know it's not a big build da 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 it's gonna be in 500 theaters and independent it takes you out to where you're a little especially the beginning of that one you know you're in Japan you're in her life and it's not your standard normal sort of Hollywoody thing and I'm I'm sucked in immediately. Like I'm just like, oh, this is different than anything I've ever seen before. And then the human story of it, you know, just the that there are people that I will never fully understand who have a view of the world that's a little bit over there. And it's not because they're broken or anything's wrong with them. It's just that they're never gonna be in line. As we shouldn't all be in line, but I mean, they're just never, they're always going to be, you know, <laughs> over there and that there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that this movie kind of reminded me, I don't know why it just reminded me that there are people who's, you know, they see everything different than you do and that's fine. So um, number two for me is Matthew Vaughn's Kingsman. <laughs> he made uh, Kick-Ass and Kick-Ass 2 and then they moved on to like the spy genre I feel like it is like Kick-Ass meets the spy genre. It's got this weird, like, real reality to it. It's off. It's a bit weird. Kingsman. Yeah, you think? Yeah, it's 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 like a take <laughs> I mean, on. Exactly. It's like a take on James Bond. But it's mixing a comic book with yeah. real James Bond. Yeah. Because like, you have comic moments that mm-hmm. are completely unrealistic. It's I mean, un- we're talking full fantasy here, mixed with. A real world that things are going down in. It's got twists and turns. It's very funny. Like, it is really a comedy at its heart. It's mm-hmm. Brit- very British. It's, um. What does that mean? It's full of British actors. It's <laughs> got a British sense of humor to it. What does I mean, that mean? When they go down the pub and, like, it's, it's very. Is that funny? Yeah. To Apparently me. Apparently, I'm not British. To me, it's very funny. <laughs> the guy, the lead guy in it, they, uh, Dar- Edgerton or whatever he's called the the young guy who they chose to play the, he was funny mm-hmm. and uh, 
heroic. It, the whole thing is like, it's just a cool movie. It's, it's probably another movie. I don't know if it did that well. It's... Kingsman is the name of Kingsman, it. Kingsman The Secret Service is, is its full title. So it's based on the comic book. So yeah, that's my second one for the year. My number two is The Water Diviner. And we didn't watch it too long ago. And I just feel like it is an epic heart string, high quality. You know, it's sort of a... Th- it's like if you watch... I don't, but if you watch, you know, like... What's it called? Downton Abbey and stuff. It's a period thing, and it's... Downton Abbey's like a soap opera in a... Yeah, but it's set in a place... There's a there's a bit of, like, political regalness about, like, turn of the... Like, not turn of the century, but, you know, just... When was Downton Abbey set in? Set in? Turn know. of the century last yeah. year. Last century. Not this past century, but the century before. Yeah. And this one is set after World War Two. Is that right? The Anzac conflict. Right. Australian... New Zealand. Which none of us had heard of. Right. I'd never heard of it. And so it kind of taps into... Was it World War One though, instead of World yeah, War Two? Yeah, one. Yeah. Uh, and it's um, Russell Crowe directed it. And it's just... It kind of, like, grabs me from the beginning. And it's beautiful. And it has adventure. It has really deep, sort of, like, emotions tied to it. And it's sort of as a hero who is driven by one thing that... It isn't about anything other than his own. He's got nobody else to satisfy but himself, like a thing inside of himself. And I found that really, and it was beautiful. So I really, and it was unexpected as well. There were things that happened. You're like, whoa, this just turned into an adventure movie. Whoa, it just turned into a war movie. Yeah, that's all Whoa, it's a romance. Whoa, yeah. it's a political movie, you know. So I really, really liked it. Uh, and my number one movie for this This shocks me. I'm going to a <laughs> drum roll. I'm surprised at this. To be and I, I just it, actually just before you mean above all the other movies. Just before we, um, you know, came on to do this podcast, Quentin Tarantino published his top ten movies of the year, like he does every year at this. And I'm always, I always like, oh, what did Quentin Tarantino like this year? His number one movie of the year was the same movie <gasps> I chose. No, seriously. So my number one movie of the year is Mad Max Fury Road. I am shocked. Which I adored. Absolutely adored. And in fact, I rewatched it again the other day on Plex on my computer. It is a fantastic movie. Mad well, Max. It is the best Mad Max movie of all the Mad Max movies. I can't argue we, with we that. We did watch them all this year. Um, George Miller came back and directed it after all those years. And what he did, practically, it's not... It is a spectacle. Not a lot of CG in this movie. They did do what is in the Infurious movie. Furiosa is awesome. But Mad Max yeah. kind of crap, to be honest. Yeah, well, it wasn't really about Mad Max for True. me. It's really the Furiosa mover for me, for, for me. And everything Mad Max that you could possibly want is in there. Crazy people, weird lactating thing. <laughs> it's just weird. Like, <laughs> oh, that's, that's enough to sell it right there. <laughs> um, the bride, you know, the women. It's, an, it's a very adult action movie, <laughs> full of adventure. It never lets up for a minute. It looks spectacular. It is mine and Quentin Tarantino's favourite movie of 2015. Listen to you. I like to be in good company. And mine, I guess mine's more important because I get to give the final top movie of the year. And I actually, I, when I think back on the whole year, this one actually, the as we were watching it, I was the most like, whoa, this is awesome. And it's called Cop Car. Kevin Bacon. Some kids, pretty low rent, pretty low rent in terms of like yeah, it's a big small production movie. and stuff. But I mean, it is 
it has that okay also a throwback to maybe sort of the 80s creepy yeah. guy Actually, kids yeah. on a weird adventure but not really it's quiet it's you're i was tense from the minute it starts because and for no reason like you're you're given no indication other than it's beautifully scored and the sound is just right and the editing is perfect and it's really short it's, it's like not very long. 60 minutes you are just minutes. Like, I'm immersed, and I felt this not... I can think of it now, and think about those kids walking across the field, because they're running away from home. Swearing And I'm tense, because I'm like, this can't be... This isn't, um, Stand By Me. Yeah, this is not say. like, da 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 and a groovy soundtrack, and all that. It is, like, foreboding, and yet you laugh, and it's sort of like a mixture of the best day as a kid, and the worst day as a kid, and Kevin Bacon is... Amazing, I think. I mean, I'm convinced he's that guy and that Kevin Bacon is a character that he plays the rest of the time because... So Cop Car it is, is really good. But it's no Mad Max Fury. <laughs> <laughs> How much... Now, a lot of times we hit pretty close on the top We three. didn't this time. Our whole list, Maybe other so. than um, what I match up with you, is Kamiko. That's it. Yeah, and you can see, like, obviously my taste veers towards, like, smaller kind of... Uh, yes, there's a huge big blockbuster at the top, but some of the other movies are not. Yeah, but I have The Judge and I have And I was Con looking Girl. through the all our list and I Cup was like, Car. oh, you know, there are big movies that we reviewed this year. We reviewed The Lord of the Rings. We reviewed... Um, you mean Hobbit? Hobbit. Yeah, The Hobbit. We reviewed the, the latest one, Battle of the Five Armies, or it was called. We reviewed... Um, but you know what? There were a lot of not good... Just Not substantially. We reviewed Age of Ultron. I loved Age of Ultron. It just doesn't. It's just, you know, I loved it. I love. I liked Ant Man a lot, but they're not special enough. I guess they didn't, you know. Because when I look at my bottom movies, Hunger Hunger Games, Mockingjay, we watched. Yeah, and that was just average. See, those are all my sixes and seven. I rate every movie every week, and so I've got all these sixes and seven. San sevens. Andreas, a big movie this year. Cinderella was okay. Run All Night was fine. A Place in the Tombstones was good, but it was Annabelle, which should be lower down. I don't know why she's a six, other than production values. Um, Jurassic World was fine. Those are all sixes, sevens. Ant Man, Tomorrowland was fine. San Andreas was fine. You know. It was like blah, 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 blah. And then I start hit the top of my list and that's where I hit my Kamiko. And I have American Sniper up there too, but it didn't do as much for me. I thought the Gambler was pretty good too. Gambler was pretty good. Uh, A Good Kill was all right. There was a Paul Thomas Anderson movie this year, Inherent Vice. It didn't make my list. You're right. You know what? It's in my top rated, but it isn't in my high memorable list. That's why I had to remove it. Like I say, I liked it when it, I liked it. But it isn't my favorite, and I would find it hard to recommend it to people. If you watch Mad Max again, but you haven't watched that again, that tells you a lot. Mm-hmm. Not that you would sit around watching Magnolia over and over either, because it's a gut-wrencher. Mm-hmm. But, um, so that, an Interstellar, good. You know, all those are good. Boyhood, obviously good. Yeah, and um, The Good Lie is also a really good movie. It was in my higher-rated ones, and that's with... Um, Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon and the the young men from Africa. And it was really good. I mean, it's a beautifully made movie. But until I looked it up and was then kind of retransported there, I didn't capture me. Whereas the other one, as soon as I think of it, boom, I'm there. So, yeah. Good kill. Kind of all right with the drone thing. Yeah. It was actually really well made, that movie. It just... Just, I I can see why it's gut-wrenching. Yeah. 
And it is a thought-provoking movie where that's the most of it. It is a thought-provoking, you think a lot about the issue that they're talking about, you think about people and humanity and all that kind of stuff, which is awesome. But you have to package that with a movie that, like with Cop Car, it just fills my mind. Right now, I'm thinking fully of them finding the cop car and one of them running down and running back and the other one daring the other one to go do it. And then they're like, what if somebody catches us? We'll, we'll say we're cops. Well, <laughs> you know, we'll say it's our car. You know, I it's all in my mind. Whereas other movies, all those details sort of dribble away. And I am not the most attentive person. Therefore, if things stick in my mind... And it doesn't take much to bring back the whole movie into my... That tells me that at the time, I was fully immersed. And if I'm not, that's why movies kind of trickle down the list for me. All right, so uh, moving on. That was our thing. So uh, best for this year. And uh, Sinzo, what's for dinner before we leave? Subway! And no, we're not sponsored by Subway, but that would be great. Should I give them a call? And say, for 2016, I have a great deal for you. Please give us Subway every week. Every week. We have seven people who listen to us on the <laughs> four, podcast. Four people. <laughs> I think at least seven. <laughs> I can think of four. There has to be at least three others out there somewhere in the world um, that would listen to us. And we get Subway at least once a week. So if you could just send me a gift card, that'd be great. It didn't go very well for the last person who was Oh, my God. Subway. Why would you bring that up? <laughs> I'm just That's saying, disgusting. I don't know if I want to be associated with them. Subway has nothing to do with that. <laughs> oh, my God. You are weird. Weird. Advice before we leave? Well, my advice should apply to you. Because it's be better than you were yesterday. Be better than you were five seconds ago with that terrible comment. Even if it's undetectable to you. Be a little bit better than you were yesterday. Now, better is subjective, right? Yes. For me, better would be if I measure two years ago, health-wise or physical-wise. Now, I'm not skinnier or anything. I don't know if that's a measure of health, but my mind is in a different place. I've enjoyed, we did the hiking the one year and kind of dropped off of that. Biking last year, I am still completely and fully excited and thrilled about doing more biking. And that helps my body a little bit more. And even when I think about it and I go, oh, I'll go get on the stationary bike for 10 minutes or whatever. I get excited because I got a bike helmet for Christmas and I got some new Nikes, which my husband gave me. Fantastic to keep me on that. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm all in kind of person, but sometimes things are a slow burn. So if you were to say to me, you know what, you need to lose 50 pounds and we're going to start today and by next week you're going to lose 10 pounds. That won't work for me because I'll tell you to fuck off because I'm not going to stop. Charming. I'm not going to do anything drastic. (laughs) I'm not going to do anything that's fast, but it's almost indetectable. My little tiny changes where like at work I have over the last several months, I have a timer that I set every 20 minutes. I get up out of my chair. I still do it. There are days when I don't set the timer and I find myself doing it anyway. I've about after half an hour, I'm like... Stretching my back, so I get up, push the chair away. I stand up and do all my... We have. I work in a data center, so I have loads of terminals that I have to go around to and do stuff on. So it's very easy for you to just sit in the chair and roll yourself around. But I've made a habit of that. So that's a little bit better than literally sit... I have 12-hour shifts, so that's a long time to sit on your butt, right? So it's those little tiny things. Or like not putting as much sugar in my tea anymore. Not putting sugar in my coffee at work hardly ever anymore. Just... Maybe one of the cups, I have two cups a day, maybe three. Only one of them I have sugar and creamer. The other ones I'm like, screw it. If I'm drinking coffee, I'm just going to drink it straight. And that's just slowly taking place, right? Like little tiny roots going out. And I'm not saying that makes me a better person. I'm saying that that's moving me toward a better, hopefully, 
feeling better as I get older than feeling the same and or worse. Now, I could still end up feeling worse, but at least I know I'm doing these little tiny things that, you know, move me forward. As far as, like, person, ethically, morally, I don't know about that. You know, I've bridged a gap that I've always had with my father, not even, like, directly to him, but just in my own mind. Where, you know, yesterday I tried to call and wish him a Merry Christmas, didn't answer, which is cool. I was almost glad. But the fact that I've not even wished him a Merry Christmas for about my whole life, probably. Um, that's like a tiny little, may not sound tiny, but it is pretty small in the scope of things. And it just sort of lifts a little thing off of your mind and lifts a little, you know, bit off your shoulder. And I think that if you just, if you stay the same all your life, and then you bitch and moan and complain even inside of your mind about how your life is, it's your own fault. If you tiny, tiny move toward a different thing that makes you, it's hard and it's scary because all of a sudden, if I get up all the time and I am moving around and I still feel like shit, I got nothing to, I got nothing to fall back on anymore, do I? I no. just, I'm like, well, I'm doing what I, I just got to keep going forward. Like the momentum has to keep going. And so I think just that's it. All right. Good advice. I don't know how to summarize that. Good advice. <laughs> Who is this standing here, by the way, this lovely lady? I uh, got a, um action figure, Captain Phasma from Star Wars. <laughs> if you've not seen Star Wars, you don't know who she is. She's um, taller than my monitor. I love her. Yeah, I didn't think I would, but I love her. How tall is it? 18 inches. 18-inch uh, Star Wars figures. Yeah. What's really cool is, is these new Star Wars figures, they're 18 inches tall, full of detail. They're really cool. 18 and, bucks. And like, cost, you already know how much it costs. They cost a dollar an inch. So, <laughs> yeah. um, it's not, we're not talking like super collectible quality or anything, but she's awesome. Like, look, it, I could imagine her coming to life at yeah. any moment. She could move and be like, I'm ready to defend you. You can tell who it is. It's good. They're better quality than the smaller figures. I'm In fact, you your that. whole Christmas haul was all Star Wars except one Marvel encyclopedia. Yeah, I have some cool Star Wars books. The I actually recommend a couple of books. Um, the visual insight, no, visual dictionary of Star Wars. If you've watched the new film, this book is really cool. I've not finished reading it. I'm going to be looking into it's it. It's just later. a tabletop book, coffee table book. Another Lots book. Lots of pictures and little descriptions. It's like a magazine, really. Yeah, but very, uh, it'll tell you some stuff you don't know that you come out of the film and you're probably like, I don't, I wish I knew more about that character. There's more about that character. Or you're like me and you don't care that much. Uh, no, I, I want to consume all Star Wars. Um, also, I got this on the Google Play Store. It's $9.99. It's called Star Wars Shattered Empire. And it's the official... What do you call it? Canonical? Canonical. It's in the Star Wars canon Uncanonical. Uncanonical. It's called Shattered Empire. It's a comic book. It's 128 pages long, so it's a really good-sized comic book. And it tells the story. It starts... Exactly when Return of the Jedi is ending with that big forest party on Endor. And it leads up to The Force Awakens. So it spans 30 years. The 30 years that you don't know what happened in Star Wars. It features some of the new characters from the new movie. It leads into the new movie. So it is a cool... It's by Marvel. It's... um. Star Wars Shattered Empire. You can get it on the Google Play Store. You can actually get it on Amazon. And what's the other book I gave you? You probably don't even know the, the name Marvel, of it. Um, the Marvel A to Z. The other Star Wars. The other Star Wars is the uh, Ultimate Guide to Star Wars, which is a big... It, it covers... The Ultimate Guide to Star Wars is cool. It's been updated, actually. It covers the original six... All six films. 
it doesn't cover the Force Awakens, but it also uh, they've added Rebels and the Clone Wars into there. So it tells the whole story of Star Wars, including everything that's canon, apart from the Force Awakens. But that other book, the Visual Dictionary, is all the Force Awakens. So they kind of come, they go with each other. Um, so yeah, there's lots of Star Wars stuff at the moment. But definitely read the Shattered Empire because it really fills in a lot. If you're interested in, you won't know who this is if you haven't seen the movie. Poe Dameron, he's uh, somebody in the movie. There's a whole backstory to him that takes place in this comic book. Um, that actually knowing it all and having seen the movie, it fills me in on him a lot. Like why, why, and how he is. But me, as a person watching just the movie, shouldn't have to rely on outside. No, you shouldn't. Sources. But if you seek more Star Wars, because to me, Wars, he's no big deal. No, if you seek more Star Wars, it is the thing to see at the moment, the thing to read. So um, I want to remind you about our website, sayscully.com, sidto.com. You can catch us on social media, Twitter, Facebook. At A Scully, at Sid Talk. You can catch this podcast on Stitcher.com. Search for After the Show, the iTunes Music Store, the Microsoft Marketplace. You can go to the RSS feed, ascully.com slash podcast. Just listen to it there or subscribe. Email feedback to ascully.com. Don't email Sid Talk. And stay classy 2016. Are you a a chronic tweeter? No. Me either. So why would people follow us? (laughs) I do tweet. Couple of times a week. I occasionally do like, but if you follow me, it's going to be about Bob's Burgers most likely. If you like Bob's Burgers, and if she watches a YouTube video, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I, if I like it, I've got them connected, so you're going to see it anyway. Um, that's true, isn't it? Because I forget about that. Um, and I'm going to say, think for yourself. There's someone who'll do it for you. Happy ha- New Year. Happy New Year.